do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crushing against a bay, but not just any bay. It's a Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And uh, Michael, this is, I would say, a pretty special episode, because this is our first guest episode of season two. It is. You're not going to introduce uh, the guests? (laughs) (laughs) Just leave Uh, them hanging. Yeah, you know, you know. Um, No, uh, we are very lucky to be joined by a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jamie, who grew up watching Baywatch, from what I understand, and uh, has, for some reason, decided that she wants to (laughs) spend a Thursday evening uh, talking about Baywatch with us. So, uh, Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, what um, I've heard a little bit about your prior exposure to Baywatch, but if you want to take us through kind of your your history with the show, what what drove you to wanting to watch this show with with us tonight? Um, I feel like Baywatch was a show that started in like what, like 89. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah like really young at the time and it was always just kind of like a show I was aware of. It was, you know, there were reruns on either I think it was like TNT or TBS. So it was just like on a lot. So it was like mm-hmm. a show that you would catch like half an hour of or like the last 10 minutes of or you'd sit and watch like five episodes in a row sometimes. <laughs> so I've seen like a smattering of episodes. I don't think I've ever like followed the storyline through a season or anything. Nobody um, has. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It was like something that everyone was aware of and it, like everyone had just like seen episodes of it. So, you know, was your opinion common. growing up that it was like, you know, the like, like the bikini show or was it like, it was just like, Oh, it's the beach show. Um, yeah, I guess it was kind of known as like the bikini show. I mean, certainly like when, Pam Anderson was on it. That was like a big deal. Um, but I kind of, I kind of like these earlier episodes, like when it was a little more serious. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's an easier watch when there's, um, more plot happening, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As opposed to just slow motion montages of women running on the beach. Yeah, right. I mean, there's yeah. a little bit of that, but it's not like the the you know crux of the show. <laughs> like that yeah, and kind of like the whole thing later <laughs> on. Right. Well, today's episode is uh, for some reason was specifically requested by Jamie, uh, and that is Baywatch <laughs> season two, episode five, the fabulous Buchanan boys. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie, before we go into this episode. Why this episode? <laughs> uh, I have to say that uh, my husband, Robert, suggested this one when I was like looking through uh, the list. He was like, I think this was a good one. Um, and I read the description and I was like, OK, I can I can do this. This is a, a pretty good synopsis. You know, the um, just the idea of like Mitch is such like a, a straight laced, you know, goody two shoes sort of like great mm-hmm. guy. And then it's like <laughs> that he has like this bad boy brother. I was like, I, I want to know who that guy is because I don't think I'd ever seen this episode before. Oh. It definitely feels like a very classic like show trope. Mm-hmm. Like 
you know, uptight brother and the fun, loving hippie brother comes into town to teach him that, like, man, sometimes you just got to loosen up. Um, <laughs> and this this episode delivered on that in spades. It did. I, oh, yeah. Please continue. No, I was going to say it did also. <laughs> well, and you know who we have to thank for that? We have W. Reed Moran who wrote season one's The Reunion, where Craig and, uh, Craig and Mitch fight over a girl, and also the one where we realize that Pokemon is also in the Baywatch universe uh, due to our grand unified theory of Pokemon and, and mm-hmm. Baywatch. Uh, though, Jamie, you have uh, something else uh, that this, this guy has written, don't you? <laughs> I, I did look him up on IMDb, and there were two trivia facts about him. One was that he teaches screenwriting at some school in California. I can't remember which one. Um, But the other is that he wrote a book called Why Plot Never Matters, Telling the Screen Stories in Your Heart. (laughs) That feels very um, like Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Like it should be Chicken Soup for the Screenwriter or something. (laughs) It's also very Baywatch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and to help him with this uh, plotless tripe is uh, (laughs) Gus Traconis, who directs this episode. Uh, And this episode was aired on October 14th, 1991. Now, let's talk about some of the guest actors. So first up, we have Tim Thomerson, a name I am (laughs) jealous of. (laughs) It's very good. It's very good. And he plays Jim slash Buzz Buchanan. So he's most I'm upset. Mm-hmm. I'm upset that he's not playing Jim Jimerson. I know. Jim Jomerson. What <laughs> <laughs> on, on IMDb about him was that <laughs> so it's like his name is what Tim Thomerson with two M's. Mm-hmm. But in the credits of the show, they only put one M. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I have him as one M in my notes just be specifically because I found that very funny. <laughs> Well, like that someone just like not proofread it or <laughs> I don't think I think they just don't acknowledge the other M <laughs> you know, that or the Metroid game. Other M one of those. Two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a Nintendo thing. Anyways, yeah. Uh, Tim Thomerson is God, I'm never going to stop laughing at that. <laughs> He's mostly a low budget film actor. He's famous for playing a character called Jack Death in the Trancers series. Uh, Jamie or Morgan, do you know about the Trancers series? I do not. Not at all. Okay, so the Trancers series is the series originally from the 80s and went through the 90s. It's a series about a police detective from the 23rd century who travels back in time to the 80s to catch his villain. But here's how they do it. They inject a drug into themselves that allows them to take over the body of an ancestor. It's kind of so it's interesting. It's quantum. It's quantum leap, but weirder. Yes. So okay. Guess okay. how many transfer films there are? Four. I was gonna say three. There are six, and wow. there is a Shit. seventh that is twenty minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Although I know Tim Thomerson best as the voice of Leonard Beaver. The father of Norbert and Daggett from Angry Beavers, uh, the Nickelodeon show. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think most people recognize him from Angry Beavers. Anyways, we next. Yeah, I, 
You don't can't remember? Can't say I've ever seen that. You, it's, um, it's, I don't, I, I, I want to say good, <laughs> but like my brain isn't letting me say that uh, because I know it's probably not. Um, next, we have Chance Michael Corbett, who plays Kyle Buchanan. So first off, I must say, do not worry. He will be back in two seasons from now. So we, we will get more of his, in quotes, Ooh. fantastic acting. Um, so he has yeah. some really odd career choices. Baywatch is actually one of his later career spots. Uh, in fact, uh, Baywatch was his last role for 11 years. Then he took another eight years off and then he hasn't acted since 2013. So, oh, wow. Wow. yeah, but his first role was of the character Laddie in The Lost Boys. That was his first acting role. Um, and that seems to be, I guess, what most people would know him for. At least, yeah. I think Jamie I definitely, like, for that. recognized him. And I was trying to figure out where I knew him from. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, he's Laddie. And then I wondered, does he get typecast as, like, a beach miscreant? <laughs> <laughs> so what, were, what were his other roles? <laughs> Uh, I mean, his other roles were just playing. He was like he was in quite a few like kung fu films for some reason. Uh, He just played like, you know, like the wise kid in kung fu films. Mm. And then this his magnum opus, clearly. (laughs) Well, if this episode teaches us one thing, it's that white people uh, can and should appropriate Chinese culture. So. Oh, boy. Yeah, really, really checks out. Yep. <laughs> well, Morgan, luckily, I have more things for you to be upset about. So, oh, boy. Next up, we have Ben Donnerberg, and he plays Dr. Klein, who has a single line in this episode. Uh, and the reason I am talking about him is because he is the director of TLC's movie. My fat saved my life. What? Yep. I had to look this up to just confirm that it was real, and it is. Never look this up. Uh, you will hate it. It is, it is horrible and should not exist. Uh, okay. But his only other credit is in a documentary about Shakespeare, so I can see how all of this connects, clearly. Mm, yeah. Yep. Huh. Oh, who mm-hmm. was he in the episode, even? And I was trying He's- to figure out when a doctor... So they're in a hospital and the doctor comes up and goes, Jim Buchanan, he's awake or something like that. And I I remember looking at him and going, is that Michael Ian Black? And it's like, nope, nope, (laughs) nope. That's Ben Donnerberg. Uh, So lastly is maybe the worst actor I have ever seen in my entire life. And that is Buzz Belmondo, who plays Eduardo. Uh, Oh, my God. Do oh, not boy. do not worry. He comes back this season as a different oh, character no. and then comes back as a different recurring character. <laughs> what? Where he plays an Italian oh. man named Guido. Oh, God. OK, I thought he was a recurring character this episode because they were talking about him like, oh, there's Eduardo again. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yep. this must be a guy who's been in the show before. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, this is our first introduction to Eduardo and his Brazilian accent. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> this is Eduardo's only appearance. 
ever. Oh, that's good. So yeah, he changes character, his next appearance, and then does, I think, seven appearances as Guido, um, which is seven too many. Um, so this guy, he his, his real name isn't Buzz Belmondo. He's actually a stand-up comedian from L.A. who wanted to create a character that was supposed to be a Filipino entertainer named Buzz Belmondo. Oof. And that's the Buzz Belmondo character. Uh, and apparently he helped, like, coach Robin Williams or something in, in comedy. Uh, what? I, I hate everything well, about him. He sucks. Yeah. He's absolutely horrible. Uh, so, fun fact here is uh, my mother speaks fluent Portuguese, so I have been exposed to a lot of Brazilian people speaking. Uh, this character is supposed to be Brazilian uh, and sounds uh, 0% <laughs> Brazilian. I, I spent, I, as someone who is white as shit and doesn't know anything about Brazil, spent the entire episode convinced that because his Brazilian accent was so bad, there was going to be some sort of turn where he wasn't actually Brazilian and that was like some con that he was pulling. But nope, it's just a white guy pretending to be Brazilian. Yep. Yep. It's uh, it's not great. Yeah, this episode, uh, boy, we'll get into it, but it uh, does not treat people of other cultures well. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No. <laughs> the last thing I'll say before we start this episode is, uh, Jamie, you might want to have a talk with your husband about picking better episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say it wasn't as like exciting as I no. expected. Same. Um, yeah. But there were there were some. There were some gems in it, but it was. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make up well. for it. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have you back. We'll we'll get the action. But, but it does. It does beat out a shocking number of episodes this season in not uh, actively having sexual assault be one of the main plot points. So that's a point in its favor, I guess. Yep. In that it's a point against Baywatch as a TV show. Yep. Yeah. As I was reading, like, the, you know, summaries of all the different episodes, I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, yeah. we could always you could always mulligan and be like, you know what? I I need a second. I need a second chance. Can I come back on for the samurai episode? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a thing. Anyways. Yeah. Morgan, you want to take us into this episode? Yeah, let's do it. So we start off with uh, Kay and Mitch having themselves a little picnic on the beach. And uh, Mitch is trying to convince Kay that she should write a story about how the pier they're near should be condemned because it's fallen apart and it's super dangerous and all these, you know, machismo surfers are getting themselves in danger trying to shoot the pier and, you know, there's just rebar all over the place and it's going to cut you up. Um, and just as he's talking about this, a surfer comes by and attempts to shoot the pier, which is a term we've heard before and... Uh, just means go through the like planks of the pier, yep. like through the struts of it. And I don't understand why they give it such a cool name, um, but whatever. Well, Morgan, this is essential. Uh, I actually know some some surfer lingo. Um, and OK, this is all thanks to watching the animated Nickelodeon show Rocket Power when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, uh, hell yeah. So love me some Rocket Power. Do you remember the term for when someone falls off their board? I do not. It's called beef in it. 
That's very good. Yes. So this man tries to shoot the peer in beefs. Mm-hmm. That's a great <laughs> sentence. He he sure does. And uh, and Mitch sees him and goes to go rescue him. And Kay is visibly the most distraught that anyone has ever been, yes. um, which is understandable. Like she thought a man was dying, but it was just such a shock to me. Like they've never treated rescues with any sort of seriousness in this show before. And Kay was actually like, oh, shit, this man might drown and die. And it just felt very weirdly real in a way that I was not expecting. Yeah, I think it's also contrasted with I wrote this down that Mitch says. Next time, read the signs, huh, buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just like it's a very like scoldy way to talk to someone who's like bleeding out at the moment. I'd also yeah. I also like to add that right before this, um, we get I mean, besides the fact that they have a very cute little like picnic or whatever. Uh, Mitch does present Kay with a laptop. Uh, and I did do some research on this. Oh, yeah. So in 1991, earlier in the year, the Apple Macintosh power book came out and mm-hmm. that cost at the time. $2,229. Now, Whoa. in a recurring segment, we now do of inflation. Am I right? <laughs> it is now worth $4,340 and 60 cents. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. Great and they weren't even inflation. dating at that time, right? No. <laughs> he just stole it from. Okay. So, like, I also did some research and tried to figure out how much, like, money a lifeguard makes. Right. Just to kind of get an idea of like the budget of some place that would own a two thousand dollar laptop. Sure. But Morgan, you were going to say I was going to say we know from the pilot that they're making. What is it? Twelve dollars an hour, fifteen dollars an hour. Twelve dollars. Bad money. Yeah, correct. However, have you ever considered how much they make in Australia? No, but now I want to know. Yeah, (laughs) because I have the knowledge. (laughs) According to five seconds of Google searching in Sydney, Australia, a lifeguard makes twenty five dollars an hour. Now, if we if we put that into a salary, that's like fifty five thousand dollars a year. Now, it's not bad. Dollars. No, I don't. I don't do currency conversions. Okay. (laughs) This whole segment is literally about doing currency conversions. Morgan, Morgan, it's my segment. I get to decide the restrictions here, okay? There's boundaries, and I'm putting a boundary down. Um, sure. Uh, so, we yeah, we do know that Craig at least made 12 an hour, and he was, like, he wasn't a lieutenant. He was just, like, a, like a senior lifeguard. So I mm-hmm. have to imagine that, you know, Mitch makes... Some more, especially since it is his full time job and Craig was part time. Uh, So my guess is Mitch made like maybe twenty dollars an hour, you know, then money, which I haven't done the conversion for. (laughs) (laughs) He's got like a nice house and yeah. Yeah. And, and apparently the the money to remodel it between seasons one and two. Yes. So he must be making pretty good money. Yeah. I think it's all that money Al left him when he blew up in the pilot movie. 
So, yeah, he he stole this laptop from work. I don't know why the lifeguards uh, need a laptop. Uh, They seem to do everything by hand. Uh, We've never seen them use the laptop before. I also see no place where they would have stored the laptop. And also, this seems like something they would keep under close guard since it does cost, you know, in today's money, $4,000. Yeah. I usually keep track of $4,000 worth of things. (laughs) I don't know, but that's just me. Yeah. No, I agree. I was I was surprised to see this laptop and especially just like on the beach like that, like famously electronics and sand. (laughs) Not a great combination. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite part of the Star Wars prequel when he pulls out a laptop (laughs) and he talks about sand. (laughs) The electronics in Star Wars work surprisingly well in sand. Yeah, that's actually kind of shock. But, you know, what doesn't work well in sand. Love. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't it because i feel like we've seen a lot of love in the sand in this show no no in star wars oh that's true no, it that's wasn't true. a lead-in it was just me talking about star wars <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, never this with sure. Thorpe. I'm never there's, sure anymore there's no like love to be had here in the next scene that's true which yeah, is this what next, morgan that's a lead this next scene <laughs> oh my god this next scene is uh, Mitch and Thorpe talking about the pier and how it should really be closed down. And then Ben comes to tell both of them about his vintage surfboard. And Mitch complains that things were better back in my day. And it's it's a bad scene. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like watching it. Nope. Um, next, uh, next, we get to meet Eduardo, the man we spoke about earlier, uh, who is ostensibly Brazilian, um, but does just sound like a white guy from California doing his best impression of a ethnic accent. Even like, that it's, is bad, though. Like he, yeah, he he doesn't even know how to. Like you all will understand really what I mean when I say this. So I, this is the preface here. He doesn't even know how to do a '90s racist accent. Like he's yes. just bad at everything. <laughs> he he talks yeah. like. Hello, here is my bikini. Do you want mm-hmm. to buy it? And I'm like, have you ever gone to an acting class? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's on the beach with two models in bikinis, uh, which the camera keeps panning up and down them um, as he yells about the fact that he is selling very cheap bikinis. And Eddie and Shawnee show up and go, Eduardo and it just it was the whole scene was so stupid and it leads to an even stupider plot line and I just I was just mad at this entire plot the entire episode my question is somehow we've recorded over a season of this show and I still don't know the job description of lifeguards are they legally supposed to tell people do you have a permit to sell here like is that that's their job? a good point i was <laughs> yeah. wondering that because later on they threatened to arrest people too and i was like can lifeguards arrest people no because they all the time they say oh we'll give you over to garner who is a cop who can arrest people like they could do a citizen's arrest but that that that's not yeah. fun for tv <laughs> beach law 
<laughs> maybe maybe this show is like a precursor to uh, Phoenix Jones. You know, maybe <laughs> this the lifeguard is their superhero costume that they're wearing because lifeguards are superheroes. Remember, we've established. Mm-hmm. That. You know, they they save lives and their superpower is that they're hot. Um, <laughs> which. God, I wish I had that superpower. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a bad scene that starts off an even worse plot. And so really just glad that we deal with this the whole episode. Um, but yeah, next up, uh, we get another scene that I hated watching, um, which is that Hobie's laying in bed and his room is a mess. There's just clothes everywhere. (laughs) And so Mitch comes in and tells him, Hobie, you need to clean up your room before we go surfing. And Hobie's like, but I don't want to. And Mitch is like, fine, I'll pick up your clothes if you make your bed. And Hobie makes the very rational argument of making your bed is stupid and I don't want to do it. And I 100% agree with Hobie. Mm -hmm. I've never understood it. I'm not someone who does that. Nope. And luckily, this isn't something that's being recorded and being broadcast (laughs) out to tens of people. So and your mom specifically. (laughs) This is no secret to my mother. (laughs) Um, But then then we get to the point of this scene uh, where I hated watching it, which is that Mitch does a very stereotypical 90s white person doing a vaguely Chinese accent where he tells Hobie that they're going to do a ritual to sacrifice a surfboard for the good waves. Um, And then do you remember that we, yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is a callback to the, um, to the, uh, what's his name? David Spade, right? Yeah. It's the second wave. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Episode, I think four of our podcast or three. Point is, yeah, when David Spade has to sacrifice a virgin board for the good surfs, bruh. Yep. When when Mitch started doing this thing in his stereotypical white person Chinese accent, I literally had to pause the episode and yell, oh, no, watch. What are you doing? Oh, no, please. No, it was so. Oh, God, it was so bad. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah, I hate it. It's pretty bad. Um. And then uh, once he's done with this, uh, he gets a phone call and tells Hobie that. So I heard uh, Mitch say that Trankus was coming, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that's not actually what he said. I think he but was I listened saying, to that scene maybe three times and I couldn't figure out what I think it he was, was saying. That was the name be. of a beach where the ritual was being held. Like Trankus Beach or something? That would make more sense. I mean, I could I was, find out, but... Uh. I was really <laughs> upset when uh, Mitch's brother showed up and he wasn't named Trankus, because I was very <laughs> curious to meet Trankus. <laughs> if you could... Morgan, if you could create an image of what Trankus looks like, what would he look like? <laughs> I, I picture... I mean, honestly, and I couldn't tell you why, I picture Brian David Gilbert when I hear the name Trankus. Oh, yeah, that's just accurate. Feels, it just feels right to me. Like, one of one of his characters I could fully believe was named Trankus. Uh, it's Trakus, apparently. Ah. Trakus. Yeah. So I'm just not even a little close. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're sort of close. 
but I, I have no like results of like what Trachis is. Uh, you mean you mean when you Google the word that I made up, nothing shows up? No, this is from I'm the subtitle. This. I have oh. the subtitle file, and it says it's Trachis, and it huh. and it's just like nope. There's a there's a there's a TED talk from a guy named Traca Savadago, but uh, other than that, there's nothing. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it is the beach. Uh, that would make more sense than Mitch's brother being named Trancus or Trachus. So <laughs> kind of like <laughs> Trancus Buchanan though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of Mitch's brother, now it's time for. Uh, us to go to the next scene, which is Mitch at another reunion um, with a lot of. Was this the same group of people from the reunion episode in season one? Because I feel like it was, but I didn't look it up. Nah, that I know of. Oh, OK, maybe not. It the guy he talks to in the beginning, especially for whatever reason, you I mean have sworn. You mean knew me? Was that knew me? I, I'm so bad at telling people apart it's, on this show. Oh, the, it's, the real lifeguard guy? Yeah, oh yeah. 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 That was Michael Michael Newmy Newman. Mikey <laughs> Newman. Mike Nooms. The Newman. Mikey Nooms. Yeah. He actually has a line this time. You know? Oh yeah. Uh and uh, he asked about Buzz and Numi thought Buzz was living in New Zealand and Mitch corrects him and said it was New Guinea. Which brings mm-hmm. me to this line that I wrote in my notes that I really hate, which is Knew me said he knew it was something new. <laughs> yep. I know. I hate uh, it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of buzz slash Jim, uh, it's time for him to show up. And he's your stereotypical surf bum. He's wearing a drug rug and he's got scruffy hair and a scruffy beard. And he is driving a fantastic brown uh, VW van. And I love that thing so much. Yeah, I want, sweet. I want a VW van so bad. Um, but yeah, he... He gets out of the car and him and Mitch do some macho posturing at each other. And then they wrestle slash hug because you can't show affection to another man if you're a man. Nope. Um, and then a bunch of people yell. And then uh, Kyle shows up. Who wait, wait, is, can, uh, I, can I interrupt for a second? Oh, yes, I, please. I was really enjoying like watching the extras in the background. During this <laughs> oh, yes. These people like watching them like run at each other and hug and wrestle and like roll around. And then like the people who were sitting directly behind them, which was like this, like, I don't know, just like middle-aged dude who looked like he just, you know, got out of his office job or something (laughs) and just like starts making out with this girl in a bikini directly behind them. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even notice. (laughs) No, I didn't notice that. (laughs) I know. I, oh, I, I watched great. the episode twice, and both times I was just like, was this like something that they like directed them to do? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, now you two, make out when the brothers fight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, sometimes there's just like so much raw masculine energy in the air that like, what are you supposed to do? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, but yeah. The other thing really quickly is that there was a difference between the two episodes. And in one of them, when Kyle walked over towards them, there was like 
ominous music. <laughs> but in the other one, there was yeah. like no music. But I was like, was, was that like the the second one? They were like, we gotta add some like music to show that this is like a bad boy showing. <laughs> <laughs> He's the devil. I I forgot you you watched both the remaster and the original, Jamie, right? Yeah, is the the Amazon Prime one is the remaster? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah they like added some. Some scary Kyle music there. Interesting. <laughs> they in the remaster they like to do a lot of ominous music for things that aren't really that ominous. It's like, oh no, the water, and it's like, yeah, dude, we know people people die. That's the point of this show. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do that. Yeah, I one of these days I'll watch a remastered episode, but I maybe mean, maybe we'll swap sometime, Michael. Oh, I'm totally fine with swapping. You know, you yeah. you, t- you just tell me and uh, we'll do it. I just the music is so much better in the original. That I, don't, I don't want to give that up. I don't know about that, Morgan. We have some <laughs> fun original songs this episode. But oh, anyway. I I believe it because there are some really bad songs later in this episode, even in the original version. Uh, Jamie, um, could you describe Kyle for us? Mm hmm. Oh, he's like a very like typical early 90s bad boy. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He just like looks too cool for school and like he just wants to be out surfing and he, yeah. you know, just has like a little bit of like a chip on his shoulder, which we it's find funny. out about later on. But um, it's, it's oh, funny yeah. you say that because the first thing I say in my notes when I see him is, wow, he's too cool for school. <laughs> it's like there's a look. There's definitely a look for too cool for school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Probably literally, loved- actually, but. I loved his single earring. It's just mm-hmm. such a like '90s bad kid look. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. um, especially because Kyle's what, like, fourteen or something, something like that. Um, but yeah, I my interpretation of this entire thing because once Kyle comes out of the van, Buzz is immediately like. I told you to stay in the van. I was going to make it a surprise. And I was like, Ooh. what the fuck is going on here? Like, I assumed it was going to be something like uh, the the really early episode in season one that I'm blanking on the name of now, where Mitch's old friend like kidnapped his son from his the son's mom, who is oh, yeah. the guy's ex and was supposed to have custody of him. I assumed it was going to be some shit like that. But that was uh <laughs> No, wait, was that second wave? No, that wasn't second. No, wave. I don't think so. But I know. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was I was pleasantly, I guess. I don't know. Surprised to learn that. No, this actually is Buzz's son. Um, Yeah. And it just is some weird circumstances. I think they could have improved this by instead him going like, get back in there, beast. And then have it be like some sort of like weird Frankenstein story where it's like, I created you. And he's like somehow like a golem. I think that would be cool. But it's it's a little bit too on the nose for Baywatch. Is it? That's the that's the phrase I'm going with. (laughs) Also, how he says like. He's my son. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, he's Very my weird. son. I, I made him out of dirt. You know, it's so on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's what you do also, with Big Sir, I guess. Yeah. Also, and and once again, I feel bad making fun of 
not even making fun of, but commenting on the level of acting displayed by child actors. But Hobie in this scene and this entire episode, just woof. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's he's not good. Um, No, no, he's very bad. I I want the old Hobie back. I know. I know. I'm I'm excited to, you know, get a chance to see this Hobie grow up and maybe he becomes a better actor later. But a lot of his lines so far are delivered kind of like this, um, where he'll just like drop out in the middle of the line and then come back to it. And it okay. always amazes me that they were like, what if we didn't take a second take and instead ran with that one? I don't think they have that in the remaster. I remember it being pretty consistent. Interesting. Yeah, no, he just like trails off in the middle of sentences a couple of times in this episode. Well, his like his diction isn't clear, but yeah. like the audio quality of like the sentences is just fine. Hmm. Yeah, they must have gone in and like remastered his audio. Probably. Yeah. And I was going to say, Morgan, by the way, I don't know if he gets better as an actor, but I can tell you he does get hot. That's true. That's so uh, you at least have that to look forward to. Yeah. Can I ask you to um, do you think that uh, the I can't remember his name. He has six specs. That's the answer. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> the actor who plays Kyle. Like, I thought he did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did pretty well as like that character. I've seen a billion times in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. I think I think especially by Baywatch standards, mm-hmm. he did a very good job. And compared to Hobie, like in the scenes they were in together, I was like, oh "Ooh, God. one of you is carrying this." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, carrying it is a strong word. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yes. Um, but yeah, speaking of speaking of Kyle, we get to learn his origin story in this next little scene, uh, which is that Buzz tells Mitch about how he slept with a woman at a commune and then left the commune. But she just didn't tell me she was pregnant until after I left, man. So then eventually she died and they contacted me. And now now I'm raising Kyle. Um and that's basically the whole thing. And Mitch oh, is just like, can we create a new what? metal band called Raising Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this oh, is the this is the last line that I wrote. Like I transcribed the line, which was, "I'm not one for staying in this in the the same place for too long, especially for a chick." And I was like, <laughs> "Why? Why do we?" God. <laughs> yeah. This. Baywatch is uh, on a scale of on a scale of sexism normally ranks bad. Um, <laughs> this episode is particularly egregious at a number of points. Yes. Um, yeah. It's it's the the sad part is it's not generally this bad. It is not great generally. Yeah. It's not generally this bad. Yeah. You like last um, episode technically wasn't this bad. I mean, it kind of depends on how you define it, because last episode wasn't great either. <laughs> oh, wait, it did have the bikini contest. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. I take that all back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so next we get to uh, another scene with um, some vaguely racist accents, uh, which is that Kyle and Hobie are... 
uh, in the back of the VW van about to drink some beers at Kyle's urging uh, when Mitch comes in and tells them it's time to sacrifice the surfboard. Uh, And then we get Captain Thorpe in the wildest fit we have ever seen on this show. Oh, my God. Um, Leading leading this surfboard ritual. As I discussed with Morgan before this show, before we recorded this, uh, Mm -hmm. and this will only appeal like two people listening. Thorpe is cosplaying Mac DeMarco. That's what it feels like here. Yes. He has exactly that sort of like slacker rock, like late 2010 slacker rocker look with like the pink hat and like this weird like air airport carpet pattern like vest and these like crazy Mm -hmm. shoes uh, and also, this is the most youthful we've ever seen Captain Thorpe oh, in that yeah. he he acts somehow under the age of 60. <laughs> <laughs> he does he's wearing he's wearing an Adidas color blocked windbreaker like that is some like teens shit in the 90s. And Thorpe is wearing it. Right. Like this is the guy who said he needs to go get his disco duds. Like what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Morgan, I hope you do that fader effect again every time I say disco duds. Fader effect, or like not oh. the fa- you know the the effect the the disco duds that. Oh yeah yeah yeah! I, I forgot I did. that. I can't make audio effects with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna cut that instance of you trying to do the audio effect and replace every time you say it in the episode with that. <laughs> <laughs> actually that's pretty funny that's pretty good i like that i i might actually do that now that i'm thinking about it um we'll see if i remember um you could just listen to the episode you know <laughs> yeah i could i could um i mean i do anyway so i'm sure i'll hear this and remember um but yeah uh then after uh after thorpe well as thorpe is leading this surfboard burning ritual they all start doing some vaguely Hawaiian chants, I think, and it just felt very racist. Yes. Like, yeah, it wasn't good. No. Um, I would have been fine if they had just like burned the surfboard like they did with the David Spade episode and just like, that's it. We just we burn this yeah, surfboard totally. and then we, you know, we get the big, big waves. You did not need like a chant and like a like a, a dance circle. You didn't need any of that. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily, after that, we get uh, what I'm going to assume is an original song mm-hmm. on top of a surfing montage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell us more about what the song is that you get. Uh, mine is it's more just like generic soft rock. Um, it's oh, man, the the main line is just them going, ooh, <laughs> California. Um, and it. <laughs> It sounds like almost every song that we've heard in Baywatch uh, so far. And I did actually, this is one of the few times. So I was trying to find this song because I was curious and I ended up listening to the two songs from the remastered version. And boy, howdy, are those not good songs (laughs) uh, in the remastered version? Well, now I got to change my rating on them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, um, it's funny because last episode, one of your songs was also had the lyric of "Ooh, California." So maybe sure that's did. All the songs are about. 
I think so. These songs, it's interesting, despite the fact that the lyrics were pretty similar, didn't sound anything alike. Well, funny you should talk about lyrics, because in a moment here, I'm actually thinking I'm going to try and get Jamie to read some of the lyrics to this song. I have them. If if you would be so kind, Jamie. Uh, uh, sure. I, I'll get them for you. I have them. I have them here. Don't worry. OK. Uh, so but this song is called I Can Count On You by Tyson Kelly. He previously wrote a song for season one where Eddie and Shawnee have a very horny car washing montage. Um Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to bother to do extra research on him. Uh, so I'm not going to. I gave this song a B plus, but then M- Morgan decided to trash me and my music <laughs> opinions. So uh, I'm going to lower this to a D minus. Uh, All right. It's a classic country rock throwback. I probably wouldn't listen to it in my free time. Uh, but Jamie. Whoa. Okay. I pasted here in the text channel the lyrics. Uh, if you want to read them. Okay. <laughs> I remember the days and it never got old. You'd take 40 minute showers <laughs> while the water ran cold. Playing catch in the street till the sun went down. We came up together and we'll never stop now. I can count on you all the years we've been through. Driving me to high school, running through red lights. We were always late, couldn't help but fight. <laughs> the sun was down and the wind in our hair. Having you as a brother in this what? life we share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not where I thought this was going. No. Uh, I can count on you all the years we've been through. Now I look at all that has come our way. Got two kids of our own. What? Soon our boys will be old as us. It goes on and on and on and on and on. Oh, I can count on you all the years we've been through. Oh, I can count on you. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> I would like to highlight two lines from that song, which is having you as a brother and got two kids of our own. It comes out of okay. nowhere. Absolutely yeah, it, nowhere. Yeah. I do nice. I I do like that. It kind of sets you up to be like, ah, oh, yeah, you take 40 minute showers and you use all that sure. water and you know, I just love you, babe. Ah, I mean brother. <laughs> yeah. This is huh. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well D minus back to A plus. <laughs> no. And and this was written for Baywatch? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So all, okay. The, all these songs, original songs, are written for Baywatch. They're also not songs that people... I, I think they contractually cannot re-release it later. Um, <laughs> because none of them... I mean, I don't see why you would remarket any yeah. of these songs. Uh, but none of them do. Uh, they don't put them on their discography other than maybe like one or two people. Uh, so, yeah, they do, they do not re-release these. Hmm. I mean, there's got to be just so much demand for this song about taking (laughs) or waiting for your brother to finish a 40 minute cold shower. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's very useful, useful for all of those instances. Yeah, Hmm. I'm I'm stuck on the fact that they they ran a a lot of red lights, but they were still late. (laughs) 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 <laughs> like how does that happen? 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, just, you know, don't it's run the, the red lights and be a little more late. <laughs> it's, it's the 40 minute showers, though. They were supposed to be 20 minute and now they're 20 mm-hmm. minutes late. Yeah. You know, God. and you know, this this only makes me want even more for the idea that Morgan and I had, which was to commission an original Baywatch song for yeah. our podcast. Um, and now I know it has to be about brothers. <laughs> yeah. No, it, sh- it can't be. <laughs> no. <laughs> I no. cannot have that. I'm vetoing that yes. idea. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um. And speaking of vetoes, let's get into this next scene. What? Uh, which is that Kay is uh, waiting outside the office of her own paper that she started. Um, this lead in doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I was I spent so long trying to figure out why she was just waiting outside of her own office. Wait, did um, you get the in between scene? No, it goes straight from surfing montage to this. Oh, well, it's her. At the pier, taking pictures of everything and like mm. of the signs and stuff for her paper to then go back to the office and like publish it or something. I don't know. Or process the pictures. Huh. Yeah, it's like a five second scene. I don't know if I just missed it or if it wasn't in the original. It Both com- are equally likely. It, it comes <laughs> as the song is fading out. Uh, oh, okay. so you may have just ignored it. It's very likely. Um, but yeah, she's uh, she's waiting outside of her own paper office uh, in an amazing outfit, um, <laughs> like genuinely just so good. Um, this like floral print vest over a pink shirt that was just fantastic. I dig all of her fashion. Oh, yeah. Um, when uh, when her dad shows up. And they have a nice little cute reunion where she's like, oh, dad, I'm happy to see you. And then he's like, hey, I'm the lawyer for the people who own the pier and you shouldn't run that story. Um, And yeah, that's that's pretty much this whole scene. And we'll get the resolution a little bit later. What a small world of all the lawyers. (laughs) He's the lawyer for the pier. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I guess now that Craig's gone, we need to keep our, you know, lawyer uh, quorum at one. <laughs> so, you know, just gotta gotta make sure we always have one lawyer in the vaguely peripheral cast. Ugh. Also, I liked his offhand line about like someone was juggling chainsaws next to his Yes. Car. Yes. So you don't see that in Pasadena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Kay's response to that is, well, that's why I moved to Venice, which, yeah, you know, when I think Venice, I think people juggling chainsaws next to automobiles. Honestly, I actually do. Huh. Because like Venice Beach is no was known as like the wacko weirdo place where you'd have you'd be walking down the, you know, the boardwalk. And there were fire breathers and there were people like street magicians and jugglers and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. And it was it was literally like the place where like street performers would flock to. Uh, and yeah. so it was considered like in quotes, the weirdo area, which is why apparently Matt Groening was like, I, I there's a story of Matt Groening, creator of Simpsons, being like, I wanted to find a specific Captain Beefheart album. And he's like, I couldn't think of anywhere in the world that would have this specific album 
in the pressing that I wanted other than Venice Beach because nobody anywhere else in the world is weird enough to listen (laughs) to this Beefheart album and like hold on to it. So he went to Venice Beach and he then like took some of that experience and made it into a Simpsons episode. Hmm. I did not know that. I didn't it's either. A, it's a weird one-off story uh, that he tells. There is some like circusy kind of stuff in the the later scene, the montage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's oh man, I can't wait until we get to that montage. <laughs> yeah, if oh we boy. Do. <laughs> but you know what we in- instead get? Maybe my favorite scene of this episode. Really? Let me hmm. describe it. Oh, please. If this is your favorite, (laughs) take us through it. Okay, so in this scene, they're sitting down. It's Buzz. It's Kyle. Mm -hmm. It's Mitch. It's Hobie. uh, And they're eating Thai food. Specifically, they ordered a chicken option. And Kyle wants to have more Coca-Cola. And so Buzz pours him some Coca-Cola. And Hobie says, Mm -hmm. I want some Coke. And Mitch says, finish your milk. And this is my favorite scene of the episode because who drinks a glass of milk with like Thai food? White people. Y- yes. <laughs> but that's why this is my favorite scene because I'm like, this is the literal whitest thing I could think of. Mitch. Yeah. M- Mitch. Milk. Mitch definitely goes to Thai food. Milk, on the other hand, does not. That's a really good point. That would be really gross. It would be. <laughs> Just imagine, like, today I'm going to have some chicken, and I poured myself a tall glass of milk with it. Mmm. <laughs> Love me some milk chicken. <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you know it's got to be because... It's like Thai food is just too exotic and spicy. And so he's just got to have that milk. Oh, yeah. It helps Um, with the capsaicin. Yeah. I mean, it does, actually. Yes. But I guarantee you the Thai food they're eating is not actually spicy. No, they ordered like a negative two. (laughs) Yeah. I do uh, enjoy and by enjoy, I mean, hate the story Buzz tells about his time in Thailand where Ugh, yeah. the ways were just bad, but the chicks, man, were <laughs> just so hot. Ugh. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a good scene. Um, and Buzz is basically, he's the cool uncle, and Mitch is just too uptight, and so Mitch needs to learn to relax and let Hobie drink Coke at dinner instead of milk. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so yeah. stupid. Yeah. Um, but then after dinner, uh, Kyle's going to go off into the night and go do something. <laughs> cruise the Hobie. strand is what he says. Cruise the strand. I don't know what yeah. that means, though. I do not either. Apparently, the strand is, I guess, like a section of the town because Buzz says, oh, there's like shootings or something. And I'm yeah. like, so it must mean there's like a specific part of Venice Beach that has shootings. But I'm like, eh. I don't know yeah. what cruise the strand means. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Strand would normally be like a beach, but it's Venice Beach. Like the whole fucking thing is a strand. So yeah. I don't know. It's actually the first strand type game. Mm. You, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's what what 
uh, Buzz is warning us is that this is going to be Death Stranding. Yes. Uh, in fact, it's uh, Jack Death, like the character that he played in all those transfer movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was incredibly stupid. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, that is the first and last time we've made a stupid joke on this podcast. Never again. Never again. Learn my lesson. Oh, actually, there's there's one more thing to talk about in this scene, which is early, early on in the episode, Mitch tells or or Hobie asks Mitch about, you know, like, why why did Buzz leave or why did he? Yeah, I guess leave is the correct word. He just didn't show up ever in life. And Mitch says something about he wanted to surf the waves and find the biggest wave was around the time of of your age. So it's about Mm -hmm. 11 now, in this scene, Buzz says he left home because he didn't believe in the war, but he was 11. So, like, yeah, that oh, doesn't seem point. like the proper age to leave home to be yeah. like a conscientious objector. That's a good point. <laughs> like, why the fuck did he care at 11? Like, I mean, I get why he cares, but like, why? Sure. Did he care enough to leave home at 11? He can't even draft. Wait, was he, I thought he was saying that Mitch was 11. Mitch was 11 when Buzz left. That would make a lot more that sense. That would make more Buzz sense. Buzz looks like he's 20 years older than Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask, how old is David Hasselhoff like at the time of filming? About 38. Oh, right. Yeah, I know, right? It's he's like one of those things where like... When you like grow up with someone, you know, it's like, oh, David Hasselhoff is like, you know, a middle-aged dude or whatever. But like now... Me, like, very close <laughs> to David Hasselhoff in this show. It's, like, really hard to, like, wrap my mind around, like, how old he is. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's yeah. even weirder because I think, like, I, I tried to look up a, a clip of Knight Rider, and I'm like, that's even younger him. And that's still, like, old, like a long time ago, it's also big mm-hmm. time David Hasselhoff. And I'm like, what? Like, no, he's always going to be that 50-year-old guy who was, like, a judge on America's Got Talent. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting seeing him in in his prime when I'm so used to him being like, like my first exposure to Hasselhoff was him in the SpongeBob movie. Like, (laughs) I still need to watch that. It's it's I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen it in probably 15 years or whenever it came out. But I mean, I I remember it being good. I love SpongeBob, so I don't see why I would not like it. But yeah, to uh, to get us back on the plot. Um, oh, plot plot. <laughs> God, I know. So we get um, we get a really fucking weird scene next, uh, which is that Kyle and Hobie are are heading to bed when uh, they start having a whole thing about how Kyle is so cool and Hobie's just a geek. And I'm trying to remember what stupid slang Barney. term Barney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never heard this term before. Nope. It's like very like surfer bro kind of 90s term. I, I have not heard that okay. term since the 90s, and I don't think it was like very popular, but I, I definitely heard it before. Huh. Yeah, I, you know, as someone who was six when the 90s ended, <laughs> don't have the greatest grasp of 90s culture. Um, but it definitely felt like a thing to me that was made up for the show. So that's interesting to hear that it was it was, in fact, a real term, because I just can't imagine 
a cool surfer dude actually calling someone a Barney. You know what I like? bet? I bet it's short for Barnacle. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. That would. I I mean, I was thinking Big Purple Dinosaur up until you said that. But yeah. or I was thinking Barney Rubble. Ooh, <laughs> Barney Gumble. Ooh, so many Barneys to choose from. <laughs> I know. Throw a shirt. Oh, no, that's Barbie, not Barney. Never mind. <laughs> but you know what really, really fits with surfer culture? What? It's talking about the Grateful Dead. Uh, yes. And I would like to talk about this for a moment here because mm-hmm. my dad is a deadhead who followed around the Grateful Dead. Um, but oh. did not get high at those shows. Um, so OK, I don't understand why he kept going, <laughs> um, because the Grateful Dead is. Yeah, one of the hardest bands I've ever heard of to just sit and listen to. They are perfect yes. for doing your taxes. They are perfect for mowing the lawn. I have been to a dead show uh, at a age where I was young enough where I had started smoking weed, but I was there with my dad who did not know that I smoked weed. So I was sober for it. And let me tell you, not a experience that I would go out of my way to repeat. No, um, <laughs> I imagine the 17 fish shows that you've been to were better. Yes. So that's what I was going to say is it's funny because I think our dads are very opposite in that respect. Yes. In that I I think of the dead and fish as being relatively opposite within a very narrow band of jam bands that old dads like. Yes. Um, (laughs) But like my dad was a big fish head and did get high at those shows. And so later, like I started going to fish shows when I was young with him. Um, But later in life, we went and would get high at those shows. And that was great. Um, But this was actually a when I saw the dead was a double header of Trey Anastasio, who is the lead uh, like singer and guitarist of Fish and what was left of the dead playing like back to back sets. So really just like the entire like two square miles in every direction was just weed smoke. (laughs) I imagine Um, that entire concert. So I know my dad has listened to some of those shows uh, because my dad mm-hmm. d- then did go listen to Fish and his I asked him his opinion on it and he was like, it's OK. But you know who I really liked that the dead team with that uh, <laughs> John Mayer guy, uh, because John Mayer joined the dead as like a main guitarist for a while. And because John Mayer like knows how to play a guitar pretty darn well. Uh, yeah. But is a piece of shit in basically every other regard possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a horrible, horrible person. Um, like, so my dad was like, got really into John Mayer for a while. And it was like renting John Mayer CDs from the library. <laughs> and he was like, I don't really like this. Your body is a wonderland song. That <laughs> and I'm like, but dad, that's the epitome of, of the mayor experience. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the, the dead yeah. is how, how else are you supposed to get into the MCU? The mayor cinematic universe, <laughs> the Metro Goldwyn mayor cinematic universe. <laughs> oh, uh, God. the dead. So just to sum up the dead, it's a, it's a band you do things to. And like Kyle is not he 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 is not cool. 
I'm just going to tell you yeah. that, especially in in like 91, him being like, fuck new kids on the block. Listen to the dead. I'm like, no, no, kid. You want to be cool, like say, fuck new kids on the block. Here's some like, I don't know, like pavement or like here's some like early Nirvana <laughs> or like here's some like R.E.M., you know, you don't say the Grateful Dead, but he says it's the Grateful Dead because that's what his mom listened to. And Hobie is like, wow, your mom listened to Grateful Dead. How did she die? Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Terrible transition, Hobie. Yeah. And then then the story Kyle tells about his mom dying uh, came out of fucking left field. Yeah. Um, Because Hobie is like, do you know how your mom died? And Kyle is like, yeah, because I dream about her death every night. <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck? Like, go to therapy, please. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out him and his mom were on a bike ride uh, when she got hit by a car and the car didn't stop. And he tried to warn her, but she didn't hear him. And so he watched his mom die after getting hit by a car. And this is... Uh, never addressed in the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and the, like, the way he told the story, like, I thought it was going to be a plot point that, you know, yes. that was a lie or something. That wasn't really how yeah. his mom died. And he, like, told that to Hobie to, like, garner sympathy. But no, that was apparently really what happened. Mm-hmm. And we just, like, horrible. don't touch on that. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it explains... It explains a lot of his like behavior and like acting out and stuff. Oh, of course, like, yes. Gives some sympathy for the kid, but like I, the choices. Are <laughs> very. It would have made a lot of yeah. sense if like Buzz like walked in the middle of the road and he has to be like, "No, like watch out," because that's what Baywatch would totally do. Mm-hmm. But yes. instead, they're like, "Nope, let's." They do the other most Baywatch thing, which is let's never address this ever again. Yeah, God. Not that, like, to be clear, I don't want them to spend a lot of time on the trauma of a teenager reliving his mother's death. I don't want that because Baywatch does not have the uh, writing or acting skills to portray that in a good way. No. What I want them to do is just not have that plot point in the first place. Yeah. Like. (laughs) You could have just said something like, you know, she had a heart attack. And it's like, yeah. OK, well, that's really tragic. Um, and you wouldn't yeah. have to be like, I have to relive it every night or something. Yeah. But but luckily, don't worry, we don't have to dwell on that too long, uh, because <laughs> next up, next up, we have a scene of Eddie on a lifeguard tower when he hears a woman start screaming uh, and he looks out into the water with his binoculars and realizes that um, a bunch of women are topless. <laughs> Because the bikinis that Eduardo sold them are disintegrating. Um, And so he goes into the water to rescue these women because their bikini tops fell apart and now they're in danger. I didn't understand this part of it. I had so Um, many questions. (laughs) Yes. Like, I was trying to imagine, like, what would I do in that scenario? (laughs) And it was not that. (laughs) It wasn't stand in the water uh, with your hands over your breasts, screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah, no. (laughs) Shrink down, stay underwater, don't make a sound, do not call attention to yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Especially, especially if, say, your bikini top was directly in front of you with a single small cut in it that clearly meant that it was unusable. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I especially like the fact that all that like half of these women have boyfriends who are like, I don't want to fucking help my girlfriend. I just want to yeah. go attack Eduardo. It's like you could help her. You know, you could yeah. be like go over to her and be like, hey, like, I'll, let me help you get out of the water. Like, yada, yada. They're just like, nope. I also want to talk about the fact so Shawnee shows up in her lifeguard truck with the sirens running and behind her is a crowd of 5,000 horny men who are just there to ogle the topless women. Uh, like, when did Shawnee become the fucking Pied Piper of like random horny beach bums? Like, what the fuck? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Oh, God. There's like literally a crowd of men running behind her truck watching the women in the water and like actively drooling over them it's so disgusting like i just uh i mean this uh, yeah this sucks this scene sucks yeah (laughs) Yeah. let's just say that and also like one of the things that i thought was going to happen was there's going to be like a third eduardo scene nope this is it like Mm -hmm. what happens is eddie you know is like oh i'm gonna get you out of the water the boyfriend's a cost uh, Eduardo, one of the boyfriends, mm-hmm. actually, the main one who talks this big muscle man in a mullet uh, is a guy who later on goes on to be the head of re-recording audio for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and <laughs> for <What>? Moulin Rouge. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. He has a bunch I of mean, good for him. Yeah, I mean, great for him. But then Eduardo runs away uh, and he runs away in the same way that every lifeguard runs into the water. Uh, yes. And I mean, luckily, it's the last we see of him. But also, why the fuck did you include any of this? I hate you so much. It was such a stupid plot. It was like. Yeah. This and like the dead mom story, <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. like just cut all of that out and yes. go to bed a better episode. Oh, yeah. And, and especially the two of them back to back. Yeah. Like right. we go from this like very depressing story about a 14 year old having watched his mother die in front of him when he tried to warn her to. Isn't it funny that there's a bunch of topless women like. Ugh. Oh boy, this show season two really just ramps up the the uh, horny to depressing whiplash factor <laughs> by a, an amount that I am uncomfortable with. <laughs> yeah, apparently, again, as we said before, from what I understand, it gets better next season somehow. I hope so. I, I sincerely hope so. it's not like we're going to stop, but for our own mental health, I hope it does get better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after, after this, we get a brief scene where Kyle is like, I'm going to go surfing at the pier. And Hobie's like, that's dangerous. You shouldn't do that. I want to do chores instead. And Kyle is like, you're such a square. Barney. And (laughs) such a Barney. (laughs) And then, uh, Kyle and Hobie decide that they are going to go down to the pier. And that's the whole scene. Yep. Um, and then... Then we get our second montage, which is uh, Mitch and Buzz at the boardwalk doing tourist stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's it's such a good montage, except for the one clip of the montage where the two of them are sitting at a restaurant and then the camera pans over to a hot woman walking by 
and both of them lean out into the roadway out of their porch bar seats to follow her with their head. And I went, but why can't we just just one scene, please? Nope. Nope. <laughs> it's a weird curse. Kind of out of place in the montage, too, because like, can I can I read the list of the things that they do? in the montage? Oh, yes, please. please. Uh, so they get soft pretzels. Um, they see a clown and like a trapeze <laughs> guy and a unicyclist and someone making balloon animals. So it's like that circus yep. thing. Um, they shoot some hoops. Nice. Mm-hmm. They play like either handball or racquetball. I don't really know the difference between those. Two. I have no idea. Handball is with your hand. Racket is with a racket. I see. I couldn't tell if they were holding rackets or not. So I'm going to say handball. Um, and then, yeah, they sat at the cafe and watched women in bikinis. And then um, they sat on, like, top of a table bench, and, like, Mitch, like, gesticulated wildly like he was telling a story. And then, and then they played football on the beach. Yes. <laughs> it was a very busy afternoon. Oh, yeah. That's, like, nine hours of activities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those soft pretzels had to be at least a three, four-hour excursion at <laughs> least. They are for me. <laughs> Morgan, tell us about the music in this scene. It's uh, it's not good. Um, it's another generic soft rock kind of song. I don't remember anything about it. This is an original song. Uh, oh, boy. This is called Right Where I Want to Be, and it's performed by the group of Anderson slash Ackerson, which is Eric Anderson <laughs> and Joel Ackerson. So they are a code lead singers of the pop rock group the novelists the the okay. is important in that so you don't get them confused with the french progressive metalcore band novelists um who are very different i have learned today uh, i give this song like a b minus uh the lyrics are everything i hate about pop music but i kind of like the instrumentation and on that note jamie would you mind reading for us the lyrics yet again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the sun is shining high again. I'm with my brother. I'm with my friend. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't have to play pretend to love the way I feel. <laughs> and as the sun begins to set behind that shore, my heart is full of joy. I can't hide it anymore. <laughs> I'm right where I want to be. Right where I want to be. I'm right where I want to be. Right where I want to be. Back to making memories the way it was, just you and me. Back to when we both agreed we're better as a team. (laughs) And as the sun begins to set behind that shore, my heart is full of joy and I can't hide it anymore. I'm right where I want to (laughs) be. Right now, I know... This is the life for me. Right now, there's no place that I would rather be. I'm right where I want to be. Right where I want to be. Wow. <sighs> so, Michael, I understand now why we had a guest for this episode. So that Because you did not want to read these lyrics. Oh, I kind of um, did want to. <laughs> but I thought it'd be funnier if she did. <laughs> oh, man. Boy, um, the songs sure have a theme this episode, huh? Yeah. Um. All right. Well... You know, earlier in the episode, you said there's no way that, you know, brothers can show their love for each other other than wrestling. 
Oh, well, apparently it's via song, uh, yeah. but it's only if it's weirdly sexual. Yes. <laughs> Does the person who wrote this song have a brother? <laughs> you mean the duo of Eric Anderson and Jill Ackerson? I don't know. Okay. But maybe they're each other's soul brothers. Who knows? Could be. Could be. Who knows? Uh, as far as I know, they don't have any real brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so they just use this based on what they think brothers do, which is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I have no clue what what happens in this yeah. song. <laughs> Watch sunsets together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Run, run red lights. Yeah. Be together as a team mm-hmm. to raise our two kids, I think. I'm not. Yeah. Sure. Anyways, more new me. Yeah, we uh, we get the end of this montage, which is them showing up to the HQ and uh, Buzz just knows everyone. And yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the end of the montage. And then we get um, a little scene with Kay and Mitch where Kay has decided not to run the story. And Mitch is just real mad about it um, for understandable reasons. He's also kind of a dick, though. Mm-hmm. He is a little bit of a dick. She's definitely like, you're, Mitch, you're not my boss. And he's like, well, I don't trust your dad. And it's like, whoa, there, back off, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And also the because, like... respecting parents when it's his own or when it's his son <laughs> respecting him. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's also, like, played off as a way of, like, so... Kay gets to, like, have her own business. She gets to be her own boss and decide what she wants to do. And Mitch is like, I'm friends with you now because you don't work for the main, sorry, the lamestream media. Uh, (laughs) And then the moment she doesn't do literally the thing, the one thing he wants, he's like, it's kind of like a we're not friends anymore. And it's like, what? Like, that's not how friends work, dude. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. And I, it, it's mostly just because it's like supposed to be sexual tension. And I'm like, this also isn't well written sexual tension. No. Yeah. If we didn't know that they were literally married in real life, I would not believe that the two of them would ever get together. Right. No, they have zero chemistry. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, uh, after. After Mitch and Kay's complete lack of sexual chemistry, uh, we get a scene where some lifeguards are cruising on a boat, yelling on a microphone about the pier being closed. So Um, this part is it's really only um, apparent from watching the remaster because you're watching the original. Everything is kind of like blurry 480p. So Mm -hmm. you can't I'm assuming you can't really see like the outlines very well of the lifeguards on the boat. No, I had no idea who was on the boat. Gotcha. So it's essential to the next scene that we kind of know who the lifeguards are are that are on the boat. But if you look at the lifeguards on the boat, the one with the megaphone is clearly not Eddie because it doesn't sound like Eddie at all. Yeah. And Eddie wouldn't be the one driving the boat, and the one driving the boat is blonde. So neither of these two people, unless Eddie is, like, laying down on his back, he needs a break. He's just been (laughs) shouting too much. Eddie is not on this boat. That's important for the next scene, where Eddie says, I'm on the boat. (laughs) Yes. So when he said that, 
I was very confused because I did not think either of those two people on the boat were Eddie. So yeah. I'm glad to hear that it was not just my inability to uh, distinguish who anyone is on this show. No, no. This time, your inability to tell women apart is not the answer. <laughs> well, thank God for that, at yeah. least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of this next scene, uh, Kyle is hanging out at Hobie's place, uh, drinking a beer when Eddie shows up at the door and Hobie answers the door. And basically, Eddie comes in and is like, hey, you two weren't at the pier, were you? And Hobie's like, no, we definitely weren't. And Eddie's like, mm, pretty sure you were, because uh, as we mentioned earlier, he definitely was on the boat, <laughs> uh, as he says, which he definitely wasn't. Yes. Um, but basically, he's like, listen, I'm not going to snitch on you two. But you two should, because otherwise, someday you just won't be able to have a bond of trust with your dad. Um, and I, I appreciate what he's going for. <laughs> it was very like camp counselor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big youth pastor vibes mm -hmm. for sure. <laughs> but just as he's saying this, uh, Mitch comes home with a couple bags of groceries and... He's like, hey, Eddie, what's up? And Eddie's like, I just came to visit your two sons. And Mitch is like, you staying for dinner? And Eddie goes, depends. Are you cooking? And Mitch goes, yeah, Eddie, of course I'm cooking. And Eddie goes, well, then I guess no thanks. And then if the show had a laugh track, a big old laugh would play. Um, and it was just real cheesy. I mean, I, I liked it kind of. Because we it have fine. we have the context yeah. before that Mitch sucks so bad at cooking food. True. That True. the smoke oh, that's alarm goes off. Yeah, it's a scene from one episode mm. earlier yeah. in the season that technically would not have been aired yet yes. if we were watching this <laughs> in '91. That is true. We would have had no context for Mitch being unable to cook. But we do now in the year 2021 because he mm -hmm. sets a smoke alarm off because he just burns food. And really, this episode is so much better for having that knowledge. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It really helps me build the understanding of the tension. Mm hmm. <laughs> you know what? Like a weird thing I noticed in this scene was is that Eddie and Hobie look Almost exactly alike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Hobie yeah. looks like a younger version of Eddie. Yeah, totally. I didn't put it together in the moment, but now that you mention it, thinking back on that, yeah, they they look way more related than Hobie and Mitch yeah, do. they have, like, the same hair and everything, yeah. They have that yeah. very, very specific hair. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. 90s hair. I kind of love it. It's very, it's, like, voluminous. None of you are going to agree with me. Okay, fine. I get it. <laughs> it's it's a choice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm I'm glad Eddie thinks it looks good on him. <laughs> what a neg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a little bit harsher than I meant to be, but not by much. Um you said you said Eddie was hot and now you're just like his hair is horrid. 
both of those things can be true. Okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> yes. I do I do still maintain that Eddie is the hottest of the men on Baywatch, and also that his hair is bad. I disagree, but I agree that his hair is, is, is questionable, <laughs> but I like it, but it's questionable. That's fair. Anyway. No, uh, no, no judgment. Buzz, um, Buzz is nowhere to be found. That's true. He's off, uh, as we find out, drinking and partying. But yeah, so we get a scene of Mitch uh, sleep on the couch, being woken up by a phone call where Buzz calls to say that he's just too drunk and won't be able to drive home. Um, Is that a joke because he's buzzed? (laughs) Uh, I thought that's what you were going for. No, so I, I am now realizing or remembering that party lines were a thing. And that it wasn't just because the conclusion of this scene is we see Kyle on the phone crying. And I, up until literally 30 seconds ago, thought that this was Kyle doing an impression of his dad to see how much Mitch actually cared about him as a person. But now I'm just realizing that it was him listening in on Mitch and Buzz's conversation. And that makes so much more sense. I did, like your version, though. That's yeah, I do. <laughs> way that's more way, interesting. That's, yeah. Yeah. Also, maybe I misread the scene. Mm-hmm. I thought the the what the scene was saying was that he says he's drunk and he needs Mitch to pick him up, but he's actually not. He's just calling as an excuse for something else. He's calling to say why he like won't be home that night because he's like actually partying with like some babe yeah. or whatever. However, Kyle gotcha. said it. I, I thought he was lying. I thought it was that he was saying he was drunk. And then Mitch is like, I don't want to have to like clean up your life or, or I want you to do this or something. And it was like, yeah. OK, well, it's actually an issue of I just don't want to go home to this kid and I'm not drunk. But it, it makes sense that he is drunk because that's his character. Yeah, that that reading made more sense to me, like that it was just like a Kyle being like, Oh, God, once again, my dad is too drunk to be responsible and I'm having to be the like emotionally mature one in our relationship. And as opposed to like Buzz using that as an excuse, because it he feels much more like the kind of person who just he doesn't ever feel malicious towards Kyle. He just feels like a shitty alcoholic hippie dad who like. Mm is just too busy doing his own thing, man, mm. to really, like, properly care about his kid. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, I read, like, the the beer thing is, like, uh, or, like, he said I, he'd had a couple beers or drinks or whatever. It's more like he was looking for an excuse for why he wanted a night away from the kid. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that makes sense. I still like my interpretation where it was Kyle just <laughs> doing do. a pitch perfect impersonation <laughs> of his dad. I like that as well. <laughs> Next up, we get a scene where uh, Mitch is making some breakfast and it looks fantastic, as does the breakfast he's making. And uh, Hobie comes downstairs and Mitch is like, hey, there's two missing cans of beer. And Hobie is like, I didn't have anything to do with that. And Mitch is like, what about Kyle? And Hobie goes, I couldn't say for sure one way or the other if Kyle had anything to do with it. 
Um, I especially like that he's drinking a juice box of minute made orange <laughs> juice during all of this. And he's Mitch, Mitch is like, have you been drinking beer? And it's like, do you see what this kid is drinking right now? Of course not. <laughs> I mean, I would drink both beer and a juice box, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, but no, I, it does make him like really feel like a little kid, like drinking. A yes, exactly. Yeah. At, now in my 30s. I mean, I would in my 20s as well. Absolutely drink both of those. That's just drinking a screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, more, more of a shandy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mix them together and that's a shandy, not a screwdriver. Screwdriver, you need vodka. Well, well yes, in my ideal world, it would be vodka and not beer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about real quick because mention of screwdrivers has reminded me of a new thing that I'm very angry about, um, okay. which is... So there's this machine uh, that I can't remember the name of now, but it's basically Keurig for cocktails. Um, and what it is is absurdly, stupidly overpriced mixers in little disposable K-cups that you provide your own alcohol with, and it, quote-unquote, brews a cocktail, which is to say it punctures the lid of the fucking capsule and dispenses alcohol through it. It doesn't even chill the cocktail and it's like $400 for the machine and like five bucks a pod. And one of them is a screwdriver. So it's just fucking $5 for an ounce of sunny D that a robot mixes with vodka. And I've been very angry about this entire thing since M told me about it like a week ago. Now, um, let me count. I just need to rant about it. Let me counter this with, Imagine it wasn't a Keurig machine. Imagine mm-hmm. it was just like full on robot, like 80s robot See, that has Sunny D and vodka and makes it for <laughs> you. Listen, if I can if I could load a cassette full of 80s cocktails into a robot and have it make me just like a bunch of like, I don't know, Harvey Wallbangers and like fucking um Uh, like grasshoppers and stingers and shit. I would buy that robot in a heartbeat. (laughs) I want that right now. (laughs) Man, I miss bars. Holy shit. Yeah. 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 I finally, I finally got my first shot and I'm on that six week countdown until I can start like going to bars again. And I cannot tell you how fucking hyped I am. I, discovered recently due to a uh, thorough review of my bank account that the mm-hmm. last time I went to a bar was with both of you. Really? Uh, oh, yes. yeah. When we oh. went to um, the, the Gerald. Yeah. 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 And we got expensive cocktails for cheap. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That was over a year ago. And I was looking, I was like, Wait, what is? Oh, my God. Was that really the last time? It was about two days. No, like two or three days before I entered lockdown. Yeah, because yeah. it felt like a little like weird. Like I remember the the bartender was like, thanks for coming in. Cause, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're tapering off. Wow. It's like, yeah, don't worry. We're, we're ready to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still can't believe. So literally the night before Seattle locked down, I went out uh, to a bar with another friend of mine. And then we ended our night by going to a hookah bar. It's like, <laughs> oh, wow. holy shit. You want to talk about the best possible conditions for virus transmission? Like, 
holy shit. And it was packed. Like every single table had a group edit. And I just I think about that now and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Y'all want to get that one puff in before before (laughs) you have to go out forever. (laughs) Yeah, man. Wild shit. Wild shit. You want to know what else is wild shit? What, Michael? Hobie says to Mitch about Kyle. He's not as bad as you think. He's just got a lot of problems. And I can't say exactly why, but that sentence is wild to me. Um, yeah. It, I was like, I, on one hand, this could be, under the right light, the most progressive thing that Baywatch has ever said. And on another light, the most offensive thing it has ever said. Somehow it can be both. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. But I think just this whole episode has such a baseline level of, oh, God, what the hell? That this didn't even register for me. (laughs) No. Well, we can thank W. Reed Moran for that. Yeah. Thanks, dude. (laughs) It's not about the plot. really does. Never matter. Yeah. It's all about your heart and the love for your (laughs) brother. (laughs) It is, like, really weird, like, the tone of it, because it's like they deal with these pretty serious things, like people getting hurt at this pier and mm-hmm. it's mom dying and like all and then it's kind of like breezed over it's like all right we don't want to get like too like <laughs> yeah on any of this you got to throw in some dissolving bikinis in the middle oh, God. <laughs> oh i'm laughing because i'm sad <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like kyle he's got some problems well anyway like <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah. yeah, this show, this show gives such whiplash at times, like like you were saying, like, just you can't go from a kid talking about his mom dying because he couldn't warn her of an oncoming car to women screaming in the water because their bikinis dissolve. <laughs> like you just you just can't do that. Baywatch. I refuse to accept it. Well, watch it. Do it more. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, um, to, to finish up this scene after Hobie confesses to Mitch saying that he, he cut junior lifeguards to go to the pier, but don't worry, dad, I didn't go surfing. Um, he and Mitch go up and go to check on Kyle, but Kyle's not there. It's the old pillow under a blanket trick to make your parent think that you're still in bed. Um... And then we very rapidly get to learn where he is because he is at the pier surfing. And Mitch and Hobie thankfully show up exactly when the plot demands, which is right as Kyle begins to shoot the pier. And he he beefs it. Nice. But Mitch (laughs) manages to rescue him. um, And, you know, he's he's unconscious and he's, you know, it's it's honestly like pretty dark because kyle's like 14 maybe yeah and they're showing him like not breathing and barely having a pulse and like having to be carried away on an ambulance stretcher and shit like that like it's pretty dark yeah um but then buzz shows up and is like 
Mitch, how dare you do this? It's your fault somehow. And then they fight. So I would like to take this chance. Oh, please. To bring back a recurring segment on this show. Oh. Now, this isn't a bar fight. However, (laughs) there are drinks available in vending machines. And there are vending machines in this scene. So it's time for my favorite recurring segment. Rate that bar fight on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the bar fight scene from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So... On this scale, I give it a three. Uh, Okay. There's emotional catharsis, but there's no fists thrown. There's, like, no tables broken. There's Mm -hmm. no someone holds up a, a, you know, an empty empty mug and then someone punches it. There's no cowboy hats, even. Truly a waste of potential. And that has been your Rate That Bar Fight segment. Yeah. Now, to be clear, I still have not seen this scene or I've any part of Sonic the Hedgehog. Three you, times. You have. You have. Um, but I'm going to write, I'm going to rate this scene uh, a four because, you know, it wasn't a very good fight, like you said, and and there weren't any rings nearby. But I do feel like that, you know, if you're in a hospital and, uh, you know, you need someone to go fast, you know, people trying to save a life. They can they can run real fast. So I'm going to say it's pretty close to the Sonic movie. Oh, yeah. Jamie, do you have any thoughts? Hmm. I did see the Sonic movie. I feel like it was one of those movies where I watched it and it immediately just like left my mind. I don't know what you're talking about. I love that movie. I mean, I didn't love it. It was, I like, it was okay. Don't really remember anything about the bar. Fight in the movie. What? Um, That's a 10. The fact, the fact that you've seen the movie gives you uh, infinitely more expertise to talk about this than I have. So. Well, I feel like the fight in this episode also left my mind immediately because like really <laughs> really half-assed fight i mean so wait, yeah am i like am i rating like how good it was compared to the sonic fight yes um, sure yeah uh, i'm gonna give it a two it was pretty bad Ooh. oh yeah. wow <laughs> look at you like destroying this episode with two. Oh wow but yeah, I think this truly was maybe one of the worst bar fights in Baywatch. And I think uh, that's all on W. Reed Moran for just writing a horrible scene. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Now Not back to depressing enough. stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Next, uh, after this, Buzz goes to comfort Kyle and is like, hey, I was being a real shit dad, but I'm going to be better. Um, and it's, it's a decently sweet scene. What's, I guess. Does someone want to mention the, the, like the thing he does to prove that he is a good dad? I don't remember. Jamie, do you remember? He tells him to, he, Kyle says he's thirsty and would like Coke and Buzz says, how about some milk? (laughs) Yes. Oh, which like God. that sounds like such a gross thing. I don't, I don't like drinking milk anyway, so I'm like really biased here. But like, what? <laughs> like, I, I would never drink a glass of milk. 
Um, You're but, what? Okay. Well, I drink a glass of milk every night, so I'm I'm with you on this, Jamie. Uh, yeah, people just, are like, weird. Milk really grosses me out, but like. Like, if you're in, like, a hospital bed and you're thirsty, you're like, hmm, I really want some milk right now. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah. Like, you should probably drink some water. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, ice chips or something. Yes. Yeah. Like. <laughs> why, are, why are Coke and milk the only two in <laughs> show? Remember, it's, this talk. episode is, is sponsored by the Coke Milk Company. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Coke Milk. What if you wanted a root beer float, but worse? <laughs> I do I do like the fact that, Jamie, that you're so anti-drinking a cup of milk when your sister is so very pro-drinking a cup Ugh. of milk. <laughs> Ugh, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, she literally was like, sent me like a three, a whole, like three separate audio messages about like the virtues of drinking a glass of milk. Ugh. <laughs> oh. No, I'm a, a lifelong anti-glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> Leader of the anti-milk faction. I will, like, strain as much milk as possible off of a spoonful of cereal. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, that's so. Weird. So remember earlier when I said I was on your side, Jamie? I'm I'm going to officially retract that okay. statement. <laughs> you wait, so wait, you just eat the cereal with no milk? Yeah, I honestly really like just like a handful of cereal. <laughs> I mean this as as no insult, but are you like, do you remember the show Arthur? Yeah, like the, the little, what is he, an aardvark? Yeah, yeah, you remember yeah. that show, right? Mm-hmm. I am so, I am so curious where you are going <laughs> with this, Michael. There's an episode <laughs> where their teacher gets sick and... Everyone is like they imagine that he just eats cereal that's literal nails in it. And then someone what? goes, don't worry, I'm sure he adds milk to it. <laughs> so then like, there's a scene of, of them being like, oh, OK, so he like pours a glass of milk into his cereal full of nails. Um, do you remember this at all? No. No, but are you implying that I'm like weirder than a teacher? <laughs> No, I'm implying you're their teacher. Nail cereal? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about weirder. I mean, well, okay, well, maybe actually eating nails might be less weird than wanting cereal with no milk. I mean, like lots of cereal is good with like frosted mini wheats just by themselves. So good. <laughs> we did actually, in I think episode three of this podcast, describe our perfect cereal. Oh, that's true. Morgan did say his perfect cereal already existed. <laughs> well, I spent five minutes coming up with an original cereal. So yep. I don't know if Morgan is the like expert here on cereals the way I am. Um, but I'm glad Morgan is on my side with the cereal belongs <laughs> with milk. Yeah. Wait, what was your favorite cereal, Morgan? Uh, Reese's Puffs. Oh, those are really good. I just... Anytime you mix chocolate and peanut butter, mm -hmm. you have me sold. Absolutely. Those and are also really good. good just <laughs> <laughs> I that actually so like Reese's puff style cereal, any of those like puffed grain cereals, I will absolutely eat dry. Oh, sure. That I'm with you on. Sure. Um but but to like actively pour the milk off of the spoon from a bowl of cereal. 
That's that's a step too far. <laughs> so I mean, wait. I want like like raisin bran or whatever. Like you want it to be like dampened by the milk. <laughs> just put it in water. I would what? probably I would probably eat that too. Yeah, just do just do like water. Why don't why even spend the money on milk? I I milk usually goes bad in my fridge because I don't it fast enough. Then, See there, there again. I'm with you because I I have a hard time going through milk, but I don't hate it to the same degree. I think we've found the the topic that the three of us are the like Goldilocks and the three bears <laughs> on the yeah. the amount of milk in a diet. <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. Also important question: Is it just any milk, or is it like cow milk, or like is almond milk okay? I mean, I, I don't think I've ever, like, had, like, a glass of almond milk, so I couldn't say for sure. Um, but it's, it's specifically, like, cow milk. Like, I just... <laughs> so, <laughs> what I'm going to do... The flavor. <laughs> what I'm going to do post-pandemic is I'm going to come over with the <laughs> garden of oat milk, and we're going to do a taste test. <laughs> all right. All right. Oat milk is fucking nasty, and I, I do not understand it. why it's such a thing. I love I, I briefly thought I was lactose intolerant, but then it turns out I was just really stressed all the time. <laughs> um, and so I bought oat milk because I was like, maybe this is what's causing me issues. And then it turns out, no, it's just weird oat flavored oil. You know, that's mm-hmm. too sweet. You, and I don't like it. You could have just gotten lactate milk. Yeah, I could have, but I, listen, for those of you who know me, you know that my hipster persona is very important to me, <laughs> and oat milk, oat milk lattes are the, all the rage right now, so I had, to, I had to at least try it. Here's, here's what I like oat milk for, white Russians. Hmm. Interesting. I think they taste really good in white Russians. Huh. I'd definitely try that. Yeah. That's worth trying. i try that. You should you should yeah. you should get like a small thing of oat milk and then make yourself a white Russian. All right. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And then rate it on this podcast. <laughs> I did really love the eggnog you made, which is like, oh, yeah, a chunkier. <laughs> Jamie is like, I didn't really like the nog, but I like the egg because there was too much <laughs> milk relation in the nog. There's something about it being like really like thick and more That's palatable you like? than like <laughs> the texture of regular milk. <laughs> I'm very confused by your milk taste. I, I there's no logic to it. <laughs> <laughs> I I am excited for Christmas this year when everyone's vaccinated because I have a batch from 2019 and a batch from 2020 in my fridge right now. So we're gonna yeah. do. Uh, we're going to do a taste test of both those vintages and uh, and fresh and see uh, see what the best eggnog vintage is. Ooh. Um, 2019 oh, best year. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate as a thing to just, say. Well, I just love I love the idea of like becoming an eggnog sommelier <laughs> and just like comparing the terroir of different <laughs> eggnogs. <laughs> Oh, man. But you can't be like a eggnog sommelier or any sommelier without like only owning suits and ties. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. I would have to give up all my vintage sweaters. And that is just not a price I am willing to pay. Yeah, because then because then the eggnog can get on the sweater and it just ruins it. It's true. 
It's true. You want to know what else is ruined? Uh, my position in my notes, because I don't remember where we were. In the <laughs> what else episode. is ruined is my heart. And that is because yes. Kyle says, whatever you want, dad. Mm-hmm. Aww. Mm-hmm. And so he drinks a glass of milk. <laughs> he drinks a glass of milk <laughs> to pray for good surf. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, then Kay shows up and Kay she says sure does that she actually should have run the story about the pier, but gives no reason as to why she should have done it. Other she what? Well, so she does say that her dad came to her and was like, uh, we reached a settlement because a kid almost died. Demolition starts tomorrow. And I was like, man, they are they are on top of their PR, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess. But it's like. Her writing the story wouldn't have changed anything. I don't know. Like, yeah, but like, I don't think it was so much about the story. It was more just like so telling to me about like <laughs> about corporate politics and corporate ethics that they were like, oh, fuck, a kid almost died and we're about to have bad PR. Uh, Yeah. OK, now we can find the money to uh, solve this dangerous problem. That doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense earlier in the episode. A guy who's maybe in his teens almost died at the pier yep. from getting lacerated. So why yep. this kid? I don't, yeah. I don't know. But yeah. she does ask Mitch. She says, can we still be friends? And Mitch says a line that I always say when I try to secure a date. <laughs> don't I owe you a hot dog or something? <laughs> I wrote that down, too. <laughs> and she says, I think so. And I was like, wow, that actually worked. What? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it does help when you look like David Hasselhoff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, I mean, it's truly the opposite of a stellar line. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, then. Then we get one final scene, uh, which is Hobie asking Mitch while they're on the beach, if Mitch is going to ask out Kay uh, because Kay is hot. And then Mitch says, maybe Hobie should. And then I got flashbacks to that episode where he goes to Shawnee's house with flowers and tells her how much better of a boyfriend he would be than Eddie. You see, I had the complete opposite reaction to you in this, (laughs) which when Mitch says, really, maybe you should ask her out. I smiled a bunch because I was like, this is just like stupid dad jokes. And it's kind of like. It's yeah. kind of cute, their interaction. And mm-hmm. now you've completely ruined it for me because now I'm just remembering <laughs> Hobie trying to kiss Shawnee and his dad going, yeah, I mean, like, there shouldn't be any reason you want to date an older woman, you know, to not yeah. date an older woman. But, you know, yeah. didn't I, ask if it's his employee or how old she is. That's the thing is like if it weren't for that episode, I would agree with you. I would agree that it was just like a dad and son kind of joking around, teasing each other. But the fact that Hobie has literally asked out a woman 10 years older than him when he was 13 and she was 23 and then tried to make out with her. And then the show was like, the problem here is that she was already dating someone. Look, um, Morgan, means that I have a hard time reading this as as anything other than, oh, God, no, please stop. <laughs> but Morgan, that was 
Baywatch Prime universe. This is the multiverse <laughs> spinoff. You see, true, at the true. end of season one, when that cave kind of exploded from all that like mm. gaseous nonsense, right? It created mm-hmm. a spinoff universe that we are now existing in, where Hobie has now been recast. Uh, and Hobie is actually different. So this is a different universe. You can't blame the actions of a Hobie from a completely different universe for the actions of this Hobie. That's true. That's fair. I did not consider that. Yeah, yeah, so I know. Can uh, I? Uh, so they mm-hmm. switched actors, and then they did they age him down? Yes. By about four years. Okay, yeah, because in this episode he says he's ten and a half going on 11. Yes. But I did listen to a couple earlier episodes of your show, and you, you, were, you were talking about how he was like 13 or something. Yeah. In season one, he is referred to as... Uh, I believe 13, 14, and 15. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. So, he, he, look, it's just, it's a hard life on the beach. He just ages up <laughs> <Yeah>. quickly. <laughs> I thought maybe they were just progressively, like, aging him down, like, and so that there was, like, a, actually, he's Merlin or something. Yeah. <laughs> now, what happened is that Mitch wanted, or Mitch, David Hasselhoff wanted, because he became an executive producer, and he's like, what I want is I want a story more about focusing on a dad and a younger kid mm-hmm. rather than like like starting him off as a teenager because I don't I don't I want to grow into that dynamic and like have the same actor grow along with the show rather than like starting as a teenager uh, and also he just thought the other Hobie was getting too tall um, which I'm like <laughs> it's kind of petty <laughs> yeah um, and the other actor was like I want to be on the show step by step and play jock who has asperger's it's very weird change oh is that who Aww. played him like kid from step by step yeah like that okay yep hmm so I'll go and look at pictures of this yes uh <laughs> so that is our episode so yeah okay as i i'm sure you've guessed we're not necessarily huge fans of this episode, <laughs> but it still deserves a rating. So sure does. As we will keep saying for a little while longer, as you may now know if you're listening, we have redone the rating scale for season two. So to remind mm-hmm. everybody, this uh, rating scale is from one to ten. A one is ruining your food so bad that the smoke alarm goes off, and a ten is getting your boy toy David Hasselhoff to talk to you about Wuthering Heights. So Morgan. <laughs> One to ten. Yeah. So I think um, I think I got to go with about a four on this episode. Um, It's not a good one, um, but it's not the worst we've seen other than Mitch's and Mitch's (laughs) racist accents and Eduardo's kind of racist accent. And the racist chanting they do at the surfboard. Keep going. Uh, unfortunately, that does not rank it as one of the worst episodes of Baywatch. <laughs> Don't forget out the, the male gaze. Yeah, I mean, That's- it's one of those where, like, if I started deducting points for that, every single episode would Wait, just be a you have a, a checklist? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say... Uh, I would say a four is the experience of 
buying a vintage surfboard that you're just so convinced your kid is going to love, but they could not give less of a shit because it doesn't have the tri fins and the gorilla grip tape or whatever the hell it is that Mitch says all gorilla the fancy grip. new surf surfboards have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, how about you? So I'm also going to give it a four. I thought mm-hmm. about giving it a three just to, uh, you know, one up you. But <laughs> I, I decided that it's a four. Uh, you know, this episode is not great. As you said, the plot kind of sucks. Um, I do know that Buzz does come back um, at some point. Um, but I'm not necessarily mm. excited for that. Uh, because no. I'm like, uh, he didn't really um, didn't really prove his worth, I guess, if that makes sense yeah. no i agree and also that it just it felt like there was going to be a lot more to this that just wasn't there and so i would say a four is falling in love with your boo your sweet thing <laughs> you know the the one person who completes you mm-hmm. and you know just knowing that they're the one for you and that life is complete with them, and then realizing that they're actually your brother. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, at least you're like, oh, hey, like, I mean, at least they <laughs> care about me, but it's not, it's not the same thing. No. Jamie, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give it a five, and I'm going to say it's like you're trying to shoot the pier, but then the rebar cuts you up real, real bad. <laughs> Yeah. But not so bad that like, you have like lasting damage. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> Wait, is that, is that, and that's a four? That's a five. <laughs> oh, it's a five. Oh. It's like you're building up wow. some excitement and it's kind of a letdown. Yeah. 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 I mean, the whole part about shooting the pier and then the whole thing is um, terrifying. That's why I was a little confused by a five, because I'm like, most of the time when I'm like near death, I don't say that was pretty halfway. Yeah, but if you're like a surfer who like is looking for that, then that's like a, a fun thing. Whereas like I would find it terrifying. Yeah, you know me. I'm just a dangerous surfer. Um, it's just my just my thing. Um, anyways, um, we also should talk about what the next episode is. Ooh. Mm hmm. Uh, it's called Point of Attack. Ooh. And so, of course, we have our Baywatch wiki description and our IMDb description. So, Court returns to Baywatch. Helping Eddie in an aquatic program designed for inner city youths. And it's like, again? Um, When Eddie takes a gang leader under his wing... Oh, boy. He finds himself in conflict with the boy's father, Danny Trejo, who has encouraged his son's gang activity. Oh, this episode's going to be rough, huh? Yep. Here's the INDB description. After helping break up a gang fight on the beach, Eddie gets the idea of having the Latino gang members join the lifeguard program W-A-T-E-R, which is designed to help out troubled youth. Eddie focuses on the gang's leader, Memo, who is trying to get away from the gang and being constantly bullied by his angry father, Carlos, who is a former... Oh, fuck. (laughs) Who is a former Bloods gang member himself. Meanwhile... Oh, no. Meanwhile... 
In happy news, former lifeguard John D. Quartz arrives back at Baywatch to help out Eddie with his water program. Well, Shine disapproves of his presence and his influence on Eddie. Yeah. I mean, I am excited to see uh, Court and Eddie get involved in some water sports, but, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, you know us, the water sports podcast. It does not sound like a, like a great episode. No. Well, what would give you that impression? <laughs> I mean, historically, when I think of Baywatch's approach to race, it has been uh, nuanced and good. Yeah. Um, and especially when it comes to gangs and inner city youths. I mean, um, the fun part is they've done all oh, of yeah. that this season and already fucked it up. Uh, Just so badly. So, I mean, they don't have to do much to do better than that. True. But I still don't have hope that they will. <laughs> I don't have any faith. Hope. hope. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. I, I don't have faith. <laughs> but, Jamie, thank you so much. For mm-hmm. joining us on this episode, and we are going to have you back because I feel absolutely horrible about this episode, uh, <laughs> even though this is just like a normal episode of Baywatch. Um, yeah, but thank you so much. It was an absolute joy and pleasure, as always, talking to you, but also having you mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, yeah, we would love to have you back anytime, and. Yeah, I guess if no one has any any final thoughts on the episode, uh, we can we can get into into thanking everyone and specifically uh, thanking all of you, our wonderful listeners for listening to yet another episode of Baywatch Rookie School. Uh, If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrapp. I'm at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. And Jamie, do you have anything you want to plug? Any social media, anything like that? Any totally fine if not. Keurig products. I, I don't. I'll just second the plugs for yours. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Do you want to plug uh, our uh, potential uh, Baywatch Rookie School dating service? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we... As you heard in the episode that just released on 4-7, I think, we record ahead of time, a couple weeks ahead of time, so I don't remember when anything happens. Um, Yes, the episode that was released on 4-7. Yes. Uh, We announced that we are launching a dating service, and so, I don't know, tweet at us at Rookie School Pod, and we'll set you up with another eligible listener. It'll be great. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by, by which I mean, we put no thought or organization into this. It's going to be an absolute mess. Uh, we may or mm-hmm. may not accidentally or purposefully. Uh, actually, I don't think I can legally say that without getting under investigation by like selling people's data. I don't think I can legally. <laughs> I don't think I can legally say that we're going to do that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think you can say it. OK, we're going to sell your data. <laughs> it's going to go on the dark net. Uh, we're going to gather all your personal information and instead we're going to send you back that, uh, what's that Kickstarter for that, that sex button? Love sync. <laughs> yeah. The sex button. Yeah. <laughs> it's a button you press, uh, when you're ready for sex mm-hmm. and then the other person presses it and then it lights up green. Uh, yeah. and it's instead of, you know, using your words. 
mm-hmm. and we'll just send you that. It's like 60 bucks. We'll send you it for free. <laughs> yes. If you if you tweeted us on at Rookie School Pod and tell us that you want to join the Baywatch dating service, we will send you a love sync book. I, I am willing to make that guarantee. Okay, so uh, for like the, the one Twitter account I know will probably do this. Uh, mm-hmm. Fine, fuck it. I'll go half, yeah. ha- half and half. DM us your address and I'll send you a love sync button. Well, fuck it, we'll do it. <laughs> yep, we're doing it. Okay, okay. That's that's our puck. God damn. Yeah. And, uh, and with that... All I can say is uh, we'll see you next week. And just remember, uh, the love sync button it connects with USB and it allows you to very discreetly move uh, your sex zone such that, you know, it no longer only happens in the horny zone. It now also happens in the love sync zone. What? <laughs> I that's the chart on love sync's website is is they have a graph where where it details the horny zone and then the the not horny zone and then in the middle is the love sync zone and they say that if you buy the love sync buttons you you go from having sex only in the horny zone to in the love sync zone have you ever thought that maybe we spend our lives doing too much research into the wrong things yes like every single day love sync <laughs> uh yeah well, hips, lips, and fingertips. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>